After a week-long protest over COVID-19 vaccine mandates, trucks have left the U.S.-Canada border. Traffic is moving once again on the bridge which connects Detroit to Windsor, Canada. This after police broke up gridlock on the Ambassador Bridge, allowing it to reopen late last night. Demonstrators had blocked the Ambassador Bridge, impacting nearly $400 million of trade a day while this particular path has been cleared. The protests again against COVID restrictions and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau continue elsewhere in Canada as well. Personally, I want Trudeau and whoever's pulling Trudeau's strings pulled, gone, out of Canada. In a moment, we'll talk about the broader implications this could have on the auto industry in our region and beyond. Joining us now with the latest on how things are shaping up in nearby Michigan is Jordan Grzleski. She's an autos and business reporter for the Detroit News. Jordan, welcome to Reset. Hi, Michael. Good to be with you. Great. Jordan, remind us how the blockade started and the disruption it's caused. Yeah, so the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge began um, last Monday evening. It was sort of a continuation of protests that had been taking place in Ottawa for a couple of weeks prior. Um, And just to kind of, you know, underscore the importance of, you know, the site of this protest, um, the Ambassador Bridge is hugely important for trade between the U.S. and Canada. Um, It's a conduit for 25 percent of all trade between the two countries. Um, So this has proven to be very disruptive over the last week. Um, But the bridge did reopen and the blockade was cleared as of um, yesterday evening. And as you were saying, you were at the Ambassador Bridge as things were coming to a head. What did the situation look like on the ground? Yeah, so I got over there um, Friday afternoon, so it had already been going on for a few days. Um, And what I saw, it was kind of a party-like, festival-like atmosphere um, is, you know, how I would describe it and how other um, reporters who were there have described it. Um, So there were, you know, several dozen, maybe a couple hundred protesters um, gathered near the Ambassador Bridge. Um, There was the the truck convoy, um, so, you know, commercial semi-trucks and, you know, passenger vehicles. Um, And people were really just gathered on Huron Church Road, which is kind of a a main thoroughfare that leads to the the crossing. Um, You know, they were playing music, uh, hanging out and talking with one another, waving flags, um, shouting freedom. Um, And, you know, I just sort of spoke with some of them while I was there and monitored the the police presence, which really did not begin to, um, you know, move to break up the protesters until um, the weekend. Well, you mentioned, you just mentioned that you spoke to several protesters in Windsor while you were there. What else did you hear from them? Yeah, I interviewed um, a number of protesters, and really some of the common themes were people wanting an end to Canada's um, COVID-19-related restrictions. So I, you know, I interviewed somebody who identified herself as a healthcare worker and said that she, um, you know, she had chosen not to be vaccinated and felt that, um, you know, essentially she was being discriminated against because, um, you know, that restricted her ability to do things like ride on trains, planes, um, boats. Um, You know, I heard people talk a lot about, um, you know, freedom to move in society, um, wanting to give people the ability to decide for themselves whether or not to be vaccinated, um, opposition to mask requirements, especially in schools. Um, so those were were some of the common themes. Now, did you get a chance to speak to to sort of the non-truckers in that area, the people who are being impacted by this blockade? 
Um, I did. I, I, you know, I walked around downtown Windsor a little bit just to kind of get the lay of the land. It was very quiet over there on Friday. Um, we were right near the University of Windsor, and I really did not see that many students walking around. Um, I did go and talk to an employee at a local cafe that serves a lot of university students. And, you know, he said he was, um, it had proven to be very disruptive to the local neighborhood. There had been lots of loud noises over the week that this was happening. Um, you know, he claimed that some of the protesters were, um, you know, trying to intimidate students walking around, making fun of them for wearing masks. Um, so, you know, some of the folks in the community, I think it, it did prove to be disruptive to their day-to-day life, certainly. Now, as you mentioned, the bridge reopened last night after a week-long protest. Michigan Governor Gretchen Widmar called it a win for Michigan. Tell us more about her response throughout the situation. Yeah, um, as this sort of progressed throughout the week, I think you kind of saw elected officials in Michigan all the way up to the White House sort of escalate their calls for um, Justin Trudeau's government to really crack down on the protesters and end the blockade, um, you know, our governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, sort of, you know, escalated her calls throughout the week to, um, you know, have the have the provincial and federal governments in Canada um, move to resolve the situation. Let's see, Jordan, can you tell us how key industry and labor groups reacted to the blockade? Um, yes, you heard a lot of opposition from industry and labor groups. You had, you know, the Teamsters in the United States um, publicly expressed their opposition to it, a major labor group that does represent um, freight drivers in the U.S. Um, you had all kinds of business organizations in Michigan, especially um, voicing their opposition and really underscoring the economic impact of this. Um, the Michigan Department of Treasury put out an estimate that 10,000 commercial vehicles cross the Ambassador Bridge every day with $325 million worth of goods, $50 million um, just from automotive parts. Um, so you definitely saw some of the automakers um, speak out about the impact on their business. You saw um, Toyota, GM, Ford, Stellantis, Honda, Major automotive suppliers have to um, cut their production schedules last week because of this. Um, and this was happening against the backdrop of all kinds of other supply chain disruptions that the auto industry has gone through over the last year or two. So um, there were really quite a lot of um, you know, public um, expressions of opposition to this and expressions of um, you know, the economic impact. Right. You're listening to Reset. I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simons. And that's Jordan Grisleski with the Detroit News. We've been talking about the truck blockade at the U.S.-Canada border. Jordan, thanks for the update. Thank you so much. Now, let's turn now to how truckers in our state are responding and how the situation is affecting our area. With us to discuss this is Matt Hart, Executive Director of the Illinois Trucking Association. Matt, welcome to Reset. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Now, Matt, what is your reaction to the blockade and the ongoing protests in Canada? Well, I can tell you that the Illinois Trucking Association strongly opposes um, anything that's going to disrupt public safety and the flow of commerce and and the flow of of vehicles that need to move safely. And so um, there's there's a difference between uh, protesting and then there's a difference between that and then uh, and then blocking roads. Um, and, and impacting the lives of, of people, impacting the lives of manufacturers who are trying to 
you know, assemble cars and, and get paid and bring home, uh, you know, a, a living wage to their family. And, um, you know, th- this uh, what we saw going on, particularly on the Ambassador Bridge, is uh, not acceptable. Matt, can you tell us, has vaccination status been a uh, sticking point for truckers here in Illinois? It absolutely has. In fact, I, I think what and what I really want your listeners to understand, too, is uh, what we have seen going on in Canada um, is and why we haven't seen that going on in the United States of America. And the reason for that is because it was a sticking point for us. Um, in fact, it was so much of a sticking point for us uh, that the, uh, the Illinois Trucking Association and our national uh, federation, the American Trucking Associations, were part of many of the, the groups that filed suit against the Biden administration's mandate. Um, on on vaccines, and we ultimately prevailed. Um, and we're all for people, uh, you know, being safe and getting the vaccine. But there becomes a difference when uh, the government chooses which companies uh, and by which size should uh, it should mandate those uh, those uh, the, those shots. And uh, and ultimately we prevailed. And I think that's why you're not seeing this, the what's going on in Canada. You're not seeing that in the United States of America because we won. Uh, we won in the Supreme Court. Uh, the, the, the mandate was shut down, uh, was, was, was ruled unconstitutional six to three by the, by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and so it's time for American uh, workers to go, to go back to work. And, and I think that's important to know. That's why we're not seeing these types of things. Um, and, and we warned about this. We warned uh, uh, the Biden administration and, and other elected officials uh, that if you tried to force the mandate on on folks in America, uh, you could see a you know uh, drastic uh, impact to our supply chain, which is already under extreme pressure. Um, you know we're see- we saw that in Canada. Uh, thankfully, we did not see that in the United States. Now, Matt, your organization, the Illinois Trucking Association, has been working closely with the national affiliate, the American Trucking Associations, on how to address the situation. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. We've been advising people to go back to work. Um, we uh, and, and we're very and let me tell you, we're also very closely watching uh, the situation. Uh, I was on a conference call on Thursday afternoon with the 50 state trucking associations and the American trucking associations. And uh, we are concerned that, uh, uh, again, there's a there's a there's a difference between uh, protesting and, and then there's a difference between that and then, you know, blocking roads or impacting public safety. And uh, that's when that's not acceptable. Uh, you know, we certainly support the First Amendment, freedom of speech, uh, but uh, freedom of speech also doesn't mean that you should be blocking roads and preventing ambulances from getting to the hospital or preventing goods to get to a manufacturer so that people can go to work. Now, Matt, can you talk to a little bit more about how has the what conversations has this protest sparked among truckers and industry groups in our region? I, I think most people in our region are, are, are back at work. Um, they, uh, you know, right now the economy is, is moving along very well. Rates are very good in the industry. Um, uh, if you're running a good trucking company, uh, you know, you're, you're making money. Uh, you're delivering goods. Uh, you know, times are pretty good. There's plenty of work out there. Uh, we've been able to increase rates. We've been in, able to increase driver pay, which we're very happy about. Um, and uh, we see this as a time to just, you know, keep going back to work and, and, uh, and delivering the goods that Americans need. We've, we've learned in the last two years just how important the trucking industry is to our supply chain. Seventy percent, over 70 percent of our nation's freight moves by truck. Um, and we're moving that as quickly and as safely as we can right now. Now, Matt, from your perspective, what are the broader implications this situation could have on the auto industry in our area and perhaps beyond? 
Well, obviously, we're concerned about, you know, the economy, because if you, you know, if, if auto plants have to shut down because they have not gotten parts in, uh, you know, that affects not only the auto manufacturer, but it, it affects the, the men and women working on the production line. And then it affects us because suddenly we don't have, uh, you know, finished product to, uh, to haul out of there or we don't have parts to haul in. Um, and so this, this affects everything, you know, it, it, there's a, there, there's thousands of parts that go into an automobile. Um, and those parts, uh, you know, while they get assembled at an auto plant, they're being manufactured in Peoria, they're being manufactured in Decatur, they're being manufactured in Indiana and Wisconsin and Minnesota. And, and they all get trucked in and there's truck drivers who rely on those parts coming in and finished cars going out. And so, uh, this has long-term ramifications throughout the supply chain. Moving forward, Matt, how do you think Canadian officials can address the ongoing protests in their area? Well, we certainly hope that, um, again, protesting is one thing, but blocking roads is, an, is another. And we certainly hope that uh, that no one will be blocking roads or preventing traffic, uh, certainly uh, places like the Ambassador Bridge, where, as you heard, 25% of our, our freight going back and forth between the United States and Canada goes across that one artery. Um, and so, uh, you know, let, let's let people do their job. Let's let uh, uh, people go back to work. And if, if you want to protest, you know, there, there are the channels for that. You know, we, we use those channels in the United States of America. Unfortunately, we had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, but we didn't block one single road um, in our opposition to, uh, to the Biden vaccine mandate here in the United States. Now, Matt, what issues are top of, on, on the top of your mind for the Illinois Trucking Association at the, as things continue to develop? I think the economy is always, you know, at the the top of our our list. Uh, safety is at the top of our list, and uh, and we want to make sure that uh, that our roads are safe. Uh, you know, the, the Illinois is making investments in our highways and bridges. The the federal government is making investments in our highways and bridges, and that's important for uh, for not only the trucking industry, but it's important for our economy. It's important for every person that works in and around the Chicagoland area. Chicago is a hub for freight throughout not only the United States of America, but really North America and really uh, the world because so much freight goes through uh, this part of uh, part of the world. And so it impacts every worker. Now, Matt, before you leave us, I did want to ask you, can you tell us what is the latest on the truck driver shortage here in Illinois? Oh, man, we, we need truck drivers. If anybody wants to drive a truck, we've got a job for you. Uh, we survey our members every month, and uh, last last week we surveyed them for February. 93% of the trucking companies have a truck driver shortage, um, and included in that, 27% have a severe shortage, which means that they could actually use an increase of 15% uh, more people in their workforce. Um, and so uh, we definitely need drivers out there. We certainly appreciate all the, the men and women who are driving our trucks today, uh, but we could use more folks out there who are safety-oriented and want to drive a truck, and if you are, we've got a job for you. Well, Matt, if I could host a show while driving a truck, I just may give you a call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Matt Hard with the Illinois Trucking Association. Matt, thank you for joining us here today. My pleasure.